Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Let's jump into the Word. First Kings 19th. No, before we jump in the Word, let me announce something. I'll forget it if I don't. Today's May the 2nd, right? All right, so let's add 14 days to that. What would that be? 16th. Good job. <laughs> so on May the 16th, two weeks from today, I had mentioned last week about Kyle um, Pinnell. Not to just call him out, but go ahead and raise your hand so people know who you are. Yep. He's going to do a presentation uh, up here on Sunday afternoon. I'm not sure of a time. Let's make up a time. What time? Five? that good? Sure, five. Um, if that time changes, we'll let you know. But just to, to, to make aware, people aware and just a lot to learn about uh, um, things that go on on the Internet that ought not to. And um, I don't really know how to word it, but there's some creeps out there, right? Amen. So did you check with LeBron James, though? Does he, is it okay if you do this? <laughs> He, okay, just check and make sure he says, all right. But uh, let's get into the word. First Kings chapter 19, the third uh, verse. When he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. We're believing to hear from you. We're going to hear words that are going to impact us, uh, penetrate our heart, change our lives. We're going to get a revelation. We're going to learn some things, see some things. We're going to draw closer to you. We're going to learn more about who we are in you and our authority and everything you've given us. And we just thank you in advance for speaking to us, and we're just glad to be here. Amen and amen. You glad to be here? Amen. Well, good. Well, good. The title of today's sermon is, I'm over it. I'm over it. So turn to somebody beside you, close to you, and just say, I'm over it. And then look at them again and say, no, you're not. There you go. So we, read, we talked about Elijah last week and the rain, and now he's running. I mean, he's running. He runs ahead of the chariots, and he goes, and Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, and he's continuing to run like we read, just read. He runs, he leaves his servant, he runs, he's out, out in the wilderness, and uh, he's running like Forrest Gump. And you see him running, and um, <clears throat> this is a strong man of faith. This is a prophet of God. Look what all he's done. Look how obedient he's been. And that just goes to show that should encourage you and I, people that have uh, strong faith, that you do have weak moments. That doesn't mean you're a loser or a failure, that you don't have faith. I mean, Elijah the prophet, he had a weak moment, and he ran. And, um, you know, sometimes he ran out into the wilderness. And sometimes I, what I've learned is that people, the wilderness, I really can't see it. It's on the inside. 
And they may look good on the outside and everything's going smoothly, but really on the inside they're living in a wilderness. And sometimes when people are in that wilderness, in that place, you can't encourage them because they don't want to hear it. Because I've been in that place where I was running and I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear what my mama had to say, what my granny had to say, what my wife had to say, what Jackie's aunt, Sandra, which I call her my aunt. I don't want to hear what she had to say. I want to hear what you got to say. I'm in my wilderness. Can't nobody encourage me. I'm running from the Lord. Leave me alone. That's just the truth. And I know I'm not the only one that's lived that. Some people may be living in that right now, but he's got a death threat. Basically, she said, I'm going to kill you. If not by this time tomorrow, you're not dead. May the gods uh, be ever so severely on me. She said, I'm going to kill you. Basically, she's swearing, saying, uh, in the, you know, swearing that I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. So there's a death threat. And you see here that his faith is uh, caving. And he leaves his servant, and he travels another day in the wilderness, and he's under this, uh, he's under this tree, and he's, he says, this is enough. This is enough. It's enough. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. It's enough. Basically what he's saying is, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm done. I'm over it. This is it. And... The first thing that popped in my mind was something that funny that happened. Uh, it's been several years ago, and uh, me and Stick, he's up in the booth and he's doing the camera, and so you can't see him, but he's up there. Uh, we have a friend. His name is Jonathan West, and so this has been several years ago, and we were out riding dirt bikes. And we were preparing for a 24-hour race where we're going to race for 24 hours all day, all night. And there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. Now, um, Jonathan, is a, he's a very talented uh, rider, but he's very good, and he was going to be on our team, and we're out there, and, um, and so he is having a really bad day. Just all kind of crashes and stuff that day. But that's because he was going through something in life, and his focus, he, his body was there. But there was, a, there was a wilderness that he was living in. His focus was way out here somewhere. You understand all his problems. So when you're, when you're doing anything, if you're a professional uh, athlete or you know, playing at a, a higher caliber, uh, you've got to be focused. And the same thing applies to riding a dirt bike. When you're going at that speed, you've got to be focused or bad things happen. I know, personally. <laughs> got a lot of broken bone scars and different things to show for it. And it's just lack of focus. So anyway, long story short, we're out there riding, and he hits this, uh, this hole that he didn't see, and the bike stops, but he doesn't. And he just goes flying off. Well, you know, Stick's like, oh, my gosh, are you okay? I'm over there. On the, I'm rolling laughing. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And he gets up, and he says, I'm over it. I am so over it. So I've never forgot that, and I've used that expression many times. And I you know, get into a situation, I'm over it. I'm over it. But I always think about him flying over the bars, and he says, I'm over it. Have you ever just been over it? Over it? He says, I'm over it. And all of a sudden, this angel shows up and um, under this broom tree and says, Arise and eat. Arise and eat. And the Lord's speaking to us this morning, what he's saying is, Arise and eat. Arise and eat. Arise and eat. Um... I'd say he didn't expect that. He drops under this tree. And 
He's laying there under this broom tree and suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. He wakes up and there right beside his head is a Cajun chicken biscuit from Bojangles. <laughs> I mean, praise the Lord. Those things are good. <laughs> but there's food right by his head. He's given up and he's quit. He's under this tree saying, I'm just going to die here. And this angel wakes him up and says, Here's you some breakfast. Arise and eat, just dropped it in there on him. Just deposited that bread into his life, that word into his life, and shook him and said, hey, wake up. This isn't over. Arise and eat. And I usually don't call people's name out unless I know them well enough or I ask for permission, but I'm going to use Matt for an example. He's sitting over here. Hopefully he don't care if he does too late, but... Around Christmas time, he said, you know what, I think I'm going to do something good. So he gathered together some friends and <clears throat> took up some <clears throat> donations and some money. And I was thinking about so many people were impacted. In fact, we had a Christmas list here with some people, <clears throat> and he helped fill that list, <clears throat> him and the others that donated. But those gifts were just showed up. These people weren't expecting them. All these people were under the broom tree, broom tree saying, I don't know what I'm going to do this Christmas. <clears throat> I don't know how I'm going to make it. I, I don't even have power at my house or water, much less buy the kids anything. And then all of a sudden, somebody just shows up and drops something in on you. That's how God does. But it don't have to be Christmas for you to do it. You can drop something in on any, people anytime. But that's something that popped in my mind when I was thinking about Elijah there, not expecting it, and all of a sudden, something drops in. So Elijah runs. He's running. He's running from Jezebel, and he said, this is enough. This is enough. Weak in his faith, and I know nobody in here does that. I know we all... Um, you know, are strong Christians in our faith, and we get up every morning, we read the Word, and all day long we live our lives, and we don't have any uh, bad thoughts or negative things like that in our lives, and we all live perfect. I know this really doesn't apply to everybody here, but maybe there's a couple that know what I'm talking about. When God guides you somewhere, He always provides for you. That's where the expression came. If he guides, he provides. But let's look at the let's look at the let's look at the whole story once more, real quickly. God said, or Elijah said, "There's not going to be any rain." He spoke those words for three. He said, "There's not going to be any rain. There's no rain for over three years." But during the famine, God provided for him. And God leads him. He says, "Go to this brook, and these ravens are now bringing him food, and God's providing for him." But he's being obedient. God said, go here, he goes here. He guides and he provides. And these ravens are bringing him food during the famine. Then he says, go to this widow's house. And this widow doesn't even have enough food for her and her son because it's a famine. And she's fixing to fix this last meal and die. He says, no, fix me a meal. So she fixed him a meal first. Then she had enough to live on. God supplied. But he also, he, he guided and he provided Elijah. So we think about guiding and providing, and as long as we're going where God tells us to, that he's going to provide for us. And uh, I want to say this, even though the land was subject to famine, God still provided for him. 
We can live in a land that's subject to famine. Everybody else around can be in a famine, but God, don't forget his name, Jehovah Jireh, because he is your provider. No matter what's going on in the nation, no matter what's going on, he can provide for you. He will provide for you. He guides and he provides. But look look at this. When, when, When Elijah's running and he's running, that's not where he's being guided to. He runs, he runs out to this broom tree and he's, he says, I'm just going to die. And I look at how many times I've ran and I wasn't going where God told me to and I've done the wrong thing, but God's mercy and God's grace and He still provided for me. Praise the Lord. That's where the covenant changes from old to new. We might get into that in a moment. Was Elijah afraid? He was in fear and he ran. It says he was in fear. It says he saw it. Last week he read it. And said Elijah, said, we said that Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And it says when Elijah saw that, he was in fear and he ran. He ran for his life. What did he see? What did he see? And he ran for his life. Was he afraid? Was he really afraid? What was he? Was he afraid of the, the, what she said? That I'm going to kill you? So we see people oftentimes who up and leave their wives or up and leave their husbands. And we say they're rotten, they're sorry, they're no good because they left her, they cheated on her, they got them a girlfriend, or she left and did this and did all that. We just see that, but we don't see the 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years leading up to it. I'm not saying it's okay to run. I'm just saying we, we see that. We don't see what led to it. No, or somebody can be at work. I know a guy used to work at a place near here, great guy. All of a sudden one day, he said, I'm over it. And he got off the forklift and he went to the house and he never came back. And I hate that he did it because he was a great employee. But you know what? It took, he was there about 20 years. But after about 20 years of things that I didn't see and things that I didn't know about, he finally said, enough is enough. And you see Elijah going through this and he's, he's obeying the Lord and he's being fed by ravens and he's being fed by a widow and he challenges uh, uh, the prophets of Baal and he, he wins and he, he kills them all and he thinks things are going to change and all of a sudden now they're still wanting to kill him and now I'm over it. I'm over it. There's usually more going on than you see with your eye. Elijah obeyed, but he was still in a drought. And a lot of times we think if we obey the Lord, the grass is just always going to be green, the flowers are going to be blooming, but sometimes he does lead you into a place of a drought. And the rain's finally coming, and Elisha is, is disappointed. What do I think he's afraid of? Do I think he's afraid of Jezebel? I don't think so. I don't think he's afraid of Jezebel. Why would he be? It's a grown man. Afraid of a woman. What's she going to do? Everybody's been killed. She going to get her profits on him? They're dead. I think he was in fear that nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's going to change. I've been doing this and nothing's changing. 
He's excited. He runs 17 miles, outruns a chariot because he thinks revival is finally coming. These prophets have been killed. The rain's coming. I've prayed there's a cloud the size of a man's hand then all of a sudden it starts raining. Rain's coming. We're running. Revival is here. And then he gets there and old Jezebel says, no, uh-uh, I'm going to kill you. And he's thinking nothing's ever going to change. Nothing's going to change. He gave it all he had and nothing's ever going to change. We do that. We do that. You ever done that? I mean, if you raise your kids the right way, it's disappointing if you raise your kids. If you give it all you've got, and you're a good example, and you, see, if I cuss out my wife in front of my kids, and then they grow up and they get married, and then they cuss out their wives, or my daughter lets her husband cuss her out, which that won't be a good idea. But if that were to happen, I could say, I'm not disappointed because she saw me do it. I shouldn't be disappointed because she or he saw the mom do it. They're on drugs. Well, I'm on drugs. We do drugs at our house. We snort it, we smoke it, we drink it, whatever. Then my kids grow up, now they're drinking, snorting, and smoking. Why would I be disappointed? I did it. Because little feet follow big feet. But if I brought them to church and I've taught them the Word and I've stood on the Word and I've believed for them and I've, I've lived it in front of them, I didn't do those things, but yet I'm still up at the principal's office, I'm up at the police station, I'm at the jail, I'm at the rehab place, I don't understand it, I've done, I've gave it all I could, but yet you still. That's where Elijah was at. I've gave it all I've had. Good. I was the best husband I could possibly be. I went to work every day, made a living, come home. I loved that woman. I took care of those kids, and she still ran off and left me. I gave it all I had. I cooked that man's supper. I washed his clothes. I cleaned the house. I fed those kids. I was a good wife to him. I supported him, but he still was just the most selfish thing in the world and didn't give her two rats back leg about me. See, that's something to be disappointed about. When you've gave it your all and nothing seems to be changing. I'm giving it my all in this marriage, but nothing seems to be changing. That's where Elijah was at. These stories in the Bible are for you and I. I'm over it. Elijah says, I'm over it. I've given it all that I have and I'm just over it. I can see him being over it if he went out there and challenged the prophets of Baal and they did their dancing and all their stuff and their God showed up. Their God showed up. I can see him running and being in fear. I mean, I would have too. Get the heck out of Dodge. Gone. That's off gun smoke, by the way. But that's not what happened. He won. He won. He won the showdown. All the prophets of Baal died. See, we, a lot of times we assume that uh, we see people say perhaps with no money, we assume that's why they're disappointed, but really you can have money and still be disappointed. You see people that are single and you think, that's why they're disappointed because they're single. Because they're, they're waiting on the right person. 
But a lot of times it's you're not disappointed in the waiting, you're disappointed in the waking. Kind of like Jacob woke up and beside him, Rachel wasn't there, Leah was. He wanted Rachel to be his wife. Rachel was supposed to be his wife. He worked seven years. He made an arrangement with the father for seven years. But guess what? When he woke up the next day, she wasn't beside him. It was another woman. And a lot of people get married and they think they're married to somebody and then they wake up and they're like, who the heck is this? This is not who I married. Men marry women thinking they'll never change and they do. And women marry men and thinking, I'll change him, but he don't. God will change you. He had a blueprint of his marriage. And a lot of times, I, you, me, all of us, we have a blueprint of what we think marriage should look like or what we think the situation should look like. And a lot of times, it don't line up with... Reality. And um, let me just get this out of the way real quick. I have the most awesome wife in the entire universe. Okay? Wouldn't trade her for a sack of gold. Nothing. If she disappeared out of my life, have you ever seen those buildings? Huge buildings and they set off some explosives and the whole building just crumbles to the ground all at once. That would be me. I gotta have her. I've got to have her. She she completes me. Without her, I'm just throw me in a ditch, cover me up. It's done. Fall apart like a pair of two dollar shoes. Me and my buddy are out in the yard talking the other day, and he's telling me about how much he loves somebody and how he compare, he's dating her and he's dated other women and he compares everybody he dates to her and they don't measure up to her. And I thought, well, if in the event that she did disappear, then I may as well not even look around because. I don't think anybody would compare. And now that I've got that out of the way, my blueprint of marriage before I got married, married wasn't exactly the same after I got married. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm saying, but you're just looking at me thinking, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with this. <laughs> no way. But in my mind, I had a blueprint of what it was supposed to be like. Right? I'll give you one example. Man, there's a lot. Uh, my, my blueprint, not God's. She probably had her own blueprint. Her blueprint was me out there cutting the grass. And that don't happen. I get somebody to cut my grass. Heck no. <laughs> she sees me out there pressure washing, which I did the other day. I got a wild hair and got out there and pressure washed. Now, I use, I'll cut grass and pressure wash. I'll do anything for money, but she doesn't pay me to do these things, so forget it. <laughs> But anyway, one time, we had been married, uh, you know, a few years. I don't know, Mackenzie was born, and she was a little thing. And uh, I was on my knees. I was down on my knees in the living room with my head on the couch like this because my head hurt so bad, I thought we were going to call an ambulance. I was in bad shape. Had a headache. I mean, bad, not just like pop a couple of Tylenol headache, but like give me an IV with some like good stuff in it, headache. I mean, I was hurting bad. And it's hard to make me stop. I'll go when I'm hurting. I will. And I'm down on my knees, and uh, I have my head on the couch like this. I'm crying in tears. That's how bad I'm hurting. I'm thinking possibly brain aneurysm. 
<laughs> and so I would take McKenzie to school in the mornings. <clears throat> so my wife, the blueprint, this is the blueprint I'm talking about. She's supposed to come over there and coddle me. Like my mama would have. Oh, little honey, and my grandma will going to pray, you know, all this stuff. Can we get you something? To take? Oh, call, call the doctor. But she just said, she just walked by and said, are you still, you're still taking McKenzie to daycare, right? And just walked off. True story. She's, she, she's a lot sweeter to me now. Now she would get down on the floor with me. She'd, oh, I'll tell you what she'd do. She'd lay hands on me and she'd pray for me. This is a long time ago. About 18, 19 years ago. But that, that wasn't in my blueprint. <laughs> that wasn't the blueprint. You know you have kids and you have this blueprint of how awesome it's going to be. Yeah! You know, my son, firstborn son, I'm going to teach him how to do all these things, and then all of a sudden it's a girl. Like, what the heck? <laughs> well, I'm still going to be good. I still teach her to do these things and all this stuff, and life's going to be good. And then all of a sudden, for two straight years, you don't get a night's sleep because she cries, <laughs> wakes up every single night for two whole years. Truth. Two whole years. That wasn't my blueprint of having a kid. That, that wasn't Jackie's blueprint of having a kid. Put that thing in the bed, sleep 12 hours. That was my blueprint. But it was a wake up every single night. But thank the Lord that um, I didn't have to get up with her because Jackie had the groceries. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she, she, yeah. She fed her. She fed her. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. So I would just say, I would just keep sleeping. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, hey, kids ordering pizza. Little Caesar's hot now. Come on, get up. So I, that wasn't my blueprint, though. And I don't think that the nation not turning and Ahab and Jezebel, and I, I, I don't think that was in Elijah's blueprint. I think he said, the rain's here. The rain's here. The prophets are dead. No more drought. It's over. But no drought doesn't mean no battle. Just because you're not in a drought doesn't mean that the battle's over. I'm in church. I got saved. I'm a Christian. Shouldn't I be floating down the river of ease? More blessings means more battles. Lord, give me a bigger house, bigger house payment. Give me more land, more grass to cut. Give us a bigger church and all this stuff, more property taxes, bigger power bill, more power bill, more blessings create more battles. Now think about this. Think about this. John the Baptist Think about his blueprint. What, was his, what did his blueprint look like? He was coming saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What he's saying is turn or burn. You better repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. You need to repent and change because he's on the winnowing floor and he's fixing to separate the chaff from the seed. In other words, it's going to get burned up. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. And then all of a sudden, 
Where's he at? He's in jail. He's locked up. This wasn't my blueprint. I'm in jail. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The chef is being separated from the wheat. Repent. And then Jesus shows up on the scene in Matthew 11, in the fourth verse, He says, he says Jesus told them, go back and tell John what's going on. Because John had asked. He sent two disciples. He said, go find out. Are you the one? Are you the one or shall we expect another? Because what you're doing is not lining up with my blueprint. People even thought John was Elijah, if you remember. But what you're doing, Jesus, isn't exactly lining up with my blueprint. So are you the one or shall we expect another? And Jesus said, go back and tell John what's going on, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Is this is what you were expecting? They count yourself most blessed. No, it's what, not what he was expecting. He was expecting Jesus to come and separate the wheat from the chaff. In other words, repent. The kingdom of God's at hand. And Jesus shows up and says, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. The blueprint didn't line up. Amen? John's expecting judgment. Expect wrong and get disappointed. You get disappointed when you, your expectations are wrong. We have all these movies on television. And in the movies, at the very end of the movie, they always get married. Yay! They kiss. The end. Happily ever after. But it, the movie doesn't show us the next ten years. And then when our expectations are like that, when our young people are seeing that and they think... Uh, that's what it's supposed to be like. You know, like you're supposed to go on your first date with somebody and rip each other's clothes off. That that's passion. That's not passion. What that is is your hormones are out of control and you need to get them back into submission. But that's what the world paints the picture of. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's not passion. And I know Elijah, Elijah I'm sure he thought that rain was going to bring repentance. Just like John was saying, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand, that he thought that rain was going to bring repentance. Some scriptures that I texted you that I don't think you got because they're not on here. So, those things I was saying about how awesome you were, I retract that <laughs> statement. You were good until now. I'm going to have to go old school here in a moment and use. The Word of God. I just sometimes you got to prove you're a real preacher. So I'll do that in a moment. He's tired, so he has this responsibility on him. And he's tired. You ever get tired of the responsibility? I mean, sometimes your kids are hard to deal with. Sometimes she's hard to deal with. Sometimes he's hard to deal with. Sometimes you're taking care of your parents. Sometimes you're taking care of your brother or sister. Sometimes all these things. It's a huge responsibility at work, at church, your family, whatever it is, and you just sometimes you feel like you're not making a difference. Elijah's got a huge responsibility on him. Huge. 
And then all of a sudden he finds himself where he feels like he's making no difference. And sometimes you feel like you're making no difference in your kid's life. I mean, have you ever just thought to yourself, what would it be like to not have any kids? I mean, just put those suckers up for adoption. No more Pop-Tarts. No more cinnamon toast crunch. No more chicken fingers. Cook your own mac and cheese. I'm out. I'm over it. I'm done. I have not thought, I've never thought, I mean, it's been a while since I've thought about that. But this responsibility gets heavy because blessings do get heavy because the cross is heavy. The cross gets heavy when you're carrying the cross. When you're laying down your life and you're carrying the cross, it, it gets heavy. And you'll never know what it costs until you've given it your all. It costs to stay. It costs to stay in the situation. It costs to stay and face the opposition. It costs something to stay and raise those kids. It costs something to stay and be with that man. It costs something to stay and be with that woman. It costs something. But you'll, you'll, you'll never know until you've given it your all how much it cost. It costs to stay. And Elijah, he's writing his suicide note here. He's under this tree and God still provides... I was thinking earlier this morning, and those scriptures don't on there either, um, about this. So let me, let, me, let me hit this real quick. Elijah's obeying and God's providing. He's obeying and God's providing. He goes up to Ahab. He says, hey, this is the deal. They bring out the prophets. He's obeying and God's providing. And uh, God call, he calls fire down from he heaven and everything's burned up and God's providing. And all these prophets are dead, right? They're dead. He's obeying and God is providing. It's like the Old Testament. If you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. And Satan uses the law, the Ten Commandments, he uses the law against you to put that mirror in front of your face so you can look at it and you'll see spots and wrinkles and blemishes and see that you're not what you're supposed to be and you're not good enough. That's Satan's weapon that he uses against you. That's the, weapon, that's the only weapon he's got. That's what he uses against you. Do you understand? All that, that's Old Testament. We're leading up here. Only thing that Jezebel's got is... The prophets of Baal, that's all she's got. What else does she have? Who else does she have? She doesn't have anything else. But now they're all dead. They're all killed. She's stripped. She lost her power. She doesn't have those prophets anymore. But she's still making threats. But she's got nothing to back it up with. But yet he's still in fear and he runs away. He thinks nothing's going to change. You know what? Satan's been stripped of his power. Just exactly the same. He doesn't have it anymore. Jesus fulfilled the commandments. He can't hold it up in your face anymore. But he still lies and he doesn't try to to get you to run and get you to see that your shortcomings, all your shortcomings and all your failures and how you don't measure up. But he's actually powerless. You've got the power. We sang that song. When we speak, things change. We've been given the power and we've been given the authority. She don't have it anymore. They're dead. In Colossians I don't know how to make this thing. If you put them in, I don't even know how to like update it or whatever. It's all good. Somebody here, I don't, I don't do computer stuff. Um, I just sent my first email a couple weeks ago. So, 
In Colossians, the second chapter, in the 15th verse, it says, Having disarmed principalities, powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So that's a type and shadow. I hope you see that. Hope you see that. Elijah makes a public spectacle, triumphs over them, no power. So now we're going to, there's a transition here into the New Testament, but he's running. He's not obeying. He's hiding under this broom tree. But there's this thing called grace that's still provided to him. That angel didn't come and bring him bread and bring him a Bojangles biscuit because he was obeying. It's this thing called grace. Praise the Lord. Have you had enough? Have you had enough? Have you had enough? See, if you say, I've had enough, I'm over it, I've had enough, I have had enough, the reality is, if you think that you've had enough, that's because you really think that you're not enough. Because Satan's saying you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. Your kids wouldn't be acting like that. You're not enough or he wouldn't do... You're not enough. But Jesus is enough. Praise the Lord. It's raining. Nothing's changing. I don't know what to do. I'm over it. I just can't do this anymore. And Elijah leaves and he leaves his servant there and he goes out 40 days. 40 days. Say, let's reflect back. Can we think of anybody else that went out for 40 days? For 40 days. For 40 days alone. Satan wants you alone. When Jesus is out in the wilderness alone, Satan come and tempted him. Satan wants you alone. He doesn't want you here. He wants you sitting at home on Sunday morning feeling sorry for yourself under the broom tree saying, I'm not enough. It's over. Satan don't come up in here. He don't want none of this. But he'll come up in there about 3.30 this evening and start reminding you, you ain't nothing, you ain't enough. So he's traveling for 40 days. We hear about people that leave home. But the reality is you can, you can be at home, but you have still left home. Because what happened was you just left a little bit every day. Your body's there, but emotionally you're not there. And it didn't happen all at once. It's just a little, 2% a day. 2%, 5%, 3%, 1%, 10%. Just a little bit every day until you're completely gone emotionally and you're out in the wilderness. Just a little every day. Just a little every day. And there's certain battles that we expect. I mean, there are certain battles you expect. But it's the ones you don't expect. Why am I battling with her? Why am I battling with him? You know, the biggest battles that I've ever had were church people. Not atheists, church people. See, I expect to fight against a guy that's wearing a jersey that's a different color because he's on the other team. That's no, I don't, yeah, we should be fighting. But some of the biggest battles, some of the most hateful things that have been said about me or whatever have been from church people. Elijah's not expecting this. The, the children of Israel, I mean, what's going on? These are our people. These are my people. 
He's had enough. In 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, um, was where we're at. 1 Kings 19, and the 10th verse. He says, As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he's not here, that's 18. No wonder that it's not making sense to me. So he said, I have been very zealous. Okay, this is under the tree. And he's telling God, he says, So he said, I have been very zealous for you, Lord, God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Oh, here we go. They're, they're smart up there. Yeah, good job. For the, forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Am I the only? I'm the only one, and they're trying to kill me. But he says the Israelites have rejected your covenant. The Israelites. The he's one too. He's one of them. But he doesn't say our people. Or he says, you know, it's like this. Jackie calls and says, when you get home, you got to talk to your boys. Not our boys. When you get home, you got to talk to you got to talk to your boy. You got to get home and talk to your boys. Well, that's not because somebody hit a home run. I can tell you, it's something they something that's not good. That's what Elijah's saying. When your your people, your people, the Israelites, they've rejected your covenant. They've rejected it. Your people. And he, Elijah leaves his servant. He goes out 40 days. He's all alone. I did my best, God. I did my best. You know, your biggest enemy is your enemy. Enemy. That's where your biggest enemy would be found is your enemy. I'm fine. You ever get tired of it? I'm over it. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of saying I'm fine when the reality is I'm not fine. I smile and I look like everything's okay. I'm high-fiving. Bless you. Praise the Lord. Favorite. Highly blessed. Whatever. Yeah, we good. But the reality is on the inside, you're not fine. And sometimes you just get over it. And you just say, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm done. One time I was back in the bedroom studying. I do that. I was back in the bedroom studying and Jackie came in there and she said, I'm over it. And she went in the closet and she came out with this belt. And this belt's got steel studs on it and little jewels and things like that. And then I heard, and I heard the kids screaming. And I went in there. She was over it. She had enough. She beat them. And if your kids don't obey and they kick and scream and throw willy-woos, if you'll beat them, then the next time you'll say, you may get that belt. See, people say kids are sponges. They soak it all in. That's exactly right. And if you'll beat the fire out of them, they're going to say, they're going to soak it in and you're going to say, you want that belt again? They're going to go, no. And they're, they're going to go from kicking willy-woos to going... 
They do. But if you don't beat them, stand them in the corner and all, taking the game away from them, woo, you have to put some pain on them. I'm trying to help you parents out. I didn't get enough beatings. You see what happened? See? So he runs and he, he drops under this tree. He drops under this tree. Have we got another scripture there in 19.5? The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Now I want to stop right there. Go back. Go back. Go back the way you came. Don't run from it. Go back to it. Go back. Go back. Don't run from it. Go to it. I'm over it. You need to get over being over it. I'm not over it. It's not over. It's not over till the cows come home. Whatever the heck that means. He's saying, come back. Go back. Come back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Just like the prodigal son went back. And when he went back, his daddy come running out there, threw his arms on him, gave him a robe, gave him a ring, gave him sandals, and said, hey, bring out the fatty calf. We fix to throw a party. Go back. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm just using a little pail. Just imagine if I had the handheld. I might get down there and run around in the chairs. I'm getting excited. It's time to go back. The Lord's speaking to you saying, go back. Go back. Stick taught me something one time. He said, text me those pictures. Send me those videos that you had there at the race. Send them to me. <clears throat> send them. I had made all these videos at the race. He said, send them to me. And I said, okay, I'll send them to you. And he said, give me that phone. And I gave it to him. And he, these phones are close together. And he said, we're going to airdrop them. And I'm like, what the heck's that? I don't know what no airdrop is. And he airdropped. I said, what's airdrop? He said, well, see, if my phone and your phone get close enough and they get this connection, what's on your phone will jump onto my phone. Are you listening to me? See, if you get close enough to the Lord, something's going to jump on you. He's wanting to airdrop something into your life. See, you've got to get contagious as a Christian. See, we come in here, you, you, you just get the flu shot. The flu shot. You know what the flu shot is? They give you a little bit of the flu so you don't get the real flu. But you, then you're not contagious. But see, you've got to get contagious. As Christians, we need to be walking around contagious so when people get close to us, what's on us jumps on them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. But it's going to be a closeness. And this morning he's saying, go back. Because I've got an assignment for you. Go back to the assignment. Don't run from it. Don't get under the broom tree. Go back. Keep going. You know what strengthened him to go in the desert? That food. He got fed. Some bread. 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 Bread is the bread of life. It's the Word of God. You, you should be feeding on this Word of God right here. And it's going to strengthen you to go. To go. It's going to strengthen you to go. 
See, I had this blueprint too. When I started preaching, I had this blueprint of y'all are all going to be excited and jumping up and down and amen and glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You cooking with Crisco, preach it, bring it, come on, you shucking corn. Everybody's at the altar falling out. That was my blueprint. Isn't that supposed to happen every Sunday morning? That was my blueprint. But in reality, I study all week, talk to the Lord, pray hours, countless hours, get up early, stay up late. It's on my mind all day long. I'm just thinking about uh, this blueprint in my mind and sometimes I have a blueprint on paper, but sometimes my blueprint on paper or my blueprint in my mind is not what comes out of my mouth. And then I see all y'all looking at me like, what are you talking about? Who cares? When's this going to be over? And I leave here thinking, that didn't line up with my blueprint, God. Just take my life. I can't stand before those people again. I'm serious. But I talked to Brother Buddy a few years ago. He said, when you're eating, you should never eat with your mouth open. And you can't talk without your mouth open. He says, so if those people aren't saying glory and hallelujah and praise the Lord, if they're not shouting, that's okay because they're just eating the Word. That helps me. I don't care if you shout and run around. Let's go for it, baby. But I'm saying that sometimes it's not like your blueprint. When things don't line up with your blueprint, that's not a time to get disappointed. Because if every Sunday morning didn't line up my blueprint, I wouldn't be here. I'd been long gone. This past Easter, in fact, I left here thinking I may turn in my resignation. That's how bad I felt. I felt like it was absolutely the most worst sermon in the world. Everybody looked at me like they wanted to cut my throat. <laughs> That's how I felt. Paradidomai. They didn't take it. He handed it over. I was so excited. Everybody's like... I mean, that's all you got. I did my hair and my makeup for paradidomi. Whoopty doopty. See, things don't line up with my blueprint either, is what I'm saying. You're not alone. I'm with you. And it's all y'all's fault, by the way. <laughs> no. No, it don't bother me. I know you're taking in the word. I know, or you wouldn't keep coming back. You wouldn't keep coming back. Praise the Lord. Just like he dropped something by Elijah's head, he deposited something into his life under that tree when he said, I'm over it. This morning he's depositing something into your life saying, you're not over it. You are not over it. Get up, go, and go back. We talk about the cave. He went into the cave. And several times the past week or two, I've heard about the man cave. The man cave. I have a good friend who says, I've got a man cave, and I'm going to turn my man cave into a room so I can take care of someone who can't take care of themselves. But it's a man cave. A man cave. I thought about man cave. Where's that? What is a man cave? It's a place where a man goes and gets away from everybody else. I don't want a man cave. I don't want to be away from my family. And I know we use that as a term, man cave. That don't really mean you're trying to escape your wife or 
or your well, some people are, but that doesn't necessarily mean that. That doesn't necessarily mean I understand. But Elijah, see, Elijah went into that cave. He's the inventor of the man cave. And you know what? God said, come out of the cave and go back. It can be a woman cave too. Come out. Go back. Go back. Get your servant on the way. Back. Go back. Praise the Lord. It's 11.48. You're getting out before 12. Y'all excited? See, you get excited now, don't you? That's your blueprint. That's your blueprint. Yep, first time probably in five years. you like, there is a God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's wanting to drop something into you, just wanting to deposit something into you. I feel certain that he has. I'm leaving out better than I came in, I'll tell you. I feel good. Somebody came to my office early this morning, and I was about to sleep while I was trying to study. And I got a couple cups of coffee, and I'm just like, it's on. <laughs> now, I do feel good because the Word has encouraged me and strengthened me this morning. You don't catch me on a no-broom tree. It's not over. It's not over. I'm not over it. I am over being over it. I am over running. I'm over not being who God called me to be. I'm over not fulfilling the assignment on my life. I'm over not walking in the calling where He's called me to be. I'm over not being an example for everybody else. I'm over not being Christ-like. I'm over it. I'm over not being the best dad that I can be. I'm over not being the dad that God created me to be. Little feet follow big feet. Little eyes follow big eyes. Little ears follow big ears. Little hands grab the same thing that big hands grab. I'm over it. I'm over it. Their life depends on it. I'm over it. Her life depends on it. My life, I'm over it. I'm over it. Are you over it? Praise the Lord. I don't know if we're still filming, but I'm looking for that camera. You might be sitting at home in your pajamas. Are you over it? It might be Tuesday. You might be riding down the road just now listening to it. Are you over it? 